Hey, everybody. Welcome to Social Beauty Makers, the podcast, where every Wednesday we'll bring you fast-paced, powerful 15 or so minute episodes meant to inform, educate, and inspire around a variety of topics, including trends and all things tech for the professional salon industry. I'm Gordon Miller, your podcast host. A reminder that on Sundays, you can find me right here on this podcast platform, wherever you're at, hosting BeautyCast Network's Mastering Beauty Podcast, featuring brilliant guests sharing their best advice on building sustainable and successful careers. I hope you go check it out. Before we get started, um, a reminder, if you like the podcast, leave a review, leave a rating, let others know about it, um, pay it forward. Um, it helps to build the podcast audience and helps more people to find it. That synergistic kind of algorithm stuff. Love it. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. So on the tech front, my next podcast over here at Social Beauty Maker is going to be all about tech and connected to that a little bit in case you're out and about. Um, I will be speaking at Intercoiffure in Chicago the first weekend in October about artificial intelligence. Uh, thank you to Sheila Wilson and, and the Intercoiffure board for having me come over to do that. I am most excited. And I have just been confirmed to speak at Serious Business in New Orleans in January. We'll also be speaking about I'll be speaking about everything that relates to digital. The centerpiece will be artificial intelligence, but it's going to connect the dots between that and pretty much anything and everything that's tech related, because that is where AI is going. It's going to be in everything. And so that's going to be a fun and fascinating conversation. Thanks to Neil Corp for having me down for that. All right. So today I'm going to talk about the big idea of community. And it's a follow-on to a, a really cool event I just came back from. Um, my friends over at Paul Mitchell were kind enough to have me come in and speak at what they call the first ever Camp Paul Mitchell. It was held out in the middle of the woods in Pennsylvania, um, which for me is a challenge. I've not been out in any kind of woods for, for decades. Um, I'm more of a kind of an inside guy. Um, but it was a most beautiful camp. They referred to it as glamping. And um, yeah, it, it was glamorous camping. The food was outstanding. Um, the, the amenities, the mother nature, I mean, at her best. I mean, I, I, I forgot kind of why I didn't like being outside. It was, it was really a, a cool event. And again, thanks to Paul Mitchell for having me along. And um, it gave me an opportunity to spend several weeks just kind of pondering this idea of community. And it's, it's one that it's, the word's been watered down. So, you know, that, that happens, I think, um, especially when marketers grab words, you know, and all of a sudden everything is a blank, you know, and in this case, everything seems to be a community. So I wanted to give some clarity to that and just remind ourselves, you know, just how much power this industry has um, when it kind of ponders this word and how it could be applied to so many different you know, parts and pieces of what we do. So again, I'm just going to kind of walk through this quickly. As I was working my way through, I, I was doing a lot of self-reflection, you know, like what has community meant to me? There's this great quote by Helen Keller, and it says, alone, we can do so little. Together, we can do so much. Like most brilliant words, it's pretty darn simple. Um, and and um, to give it, well, I'll tell you two things and I'll give you some context. So first, let me give a little definition and it'll make more sense what I'm about to say. And Because again, communities, uh, sometimes they're referred to like neighborhoods or, or even cities. Um, social media has you know stolen the word in many ways. Facebook, the community, um, it, it, it's so big and gigantic. How could that be a community? And at least in my understanding of the definition. So for my talk, I use the definition of really about people who come together around the ideas of shared interests, shared values, and shared vision. So, you know, the things we care about, the things we believe in, and, and kind of the things that we hope to get done with our lives. 
And when I really started looking into like, why does this matter so much, this big idea? And there's just so many examples in history coming from all different kinds of directions as to where, you know, proof points as to how powerful this idea of community can be. Well, you go back 2 million years, that's a long time ago, but we were here. And, and archaeologists and people who study, the people who came before us, you know, they found in Europe, you know, DNA stuff that showed that there was these um, different groups, different populations, eight of them throughout Europe, not connected. And they had come together as hunters and gatherers. Those were kind of the two kinds of early people, you know, the, those who went out and hunted things and killed them and figured out how to eat them. I don't know if, I don't know if fire was around by them, but I hope so. <laughs> and, um, and then there were the gatherers, you know, those who went out and, and found fruits and vegetables and things in nature that we could eat, nuts and, you know, all kinds of stuff. And they came together in these different groups around the same time. And in doing so, we're able to more effectively, efficiently find food. We're definitely, you know, able to create, because there were more of them, safety and security for their little community, their, their, the beginning of this idea, in, in a sense. And then big picture in terms of goal, it was all about survival. You know, they wanted to survive. And so this brought them together. Fascinating idea. So it's, it's kind of embedded in who we are. And it's just has continued, you know, all throughout humankind that we come together for these kind of very same reasons. We, we care about the same stuff. We have the same values. We want to get something done. A great modern example that I used at the event was, you know, Moms Against Drunk Drivers. That was quite a few years ago that it started, but it was a group of mothers who came together and said, wait, you know, the, the amount of injuries and deaths are happening to teens because of alcohol was just out of control. And so this group formed nationally and they made a lot of noise for all the right reasons. They were very proactive. They believed, you know, in the sanctity of life, especially amongst young people. They believed that we didn't have to have the problems we were having, that there were ways to legislate around this. And they were very, very successful. And so a kind of a proof point of this idea of coming together and getting stuff done. And it can happen in so many different ways. Importantly, I, I pointed out again in my talk that, you know, not all communities are good. And I think, you know, when we're figuring out definitions, thinking about definitions, that's something worth pondering. I told the story that back in 1986, when I first moved to Chicago, I, I was living in Utah. Pivot Point moved me to Chicago. It was a really kind of quick transition, unexpected in, in my life, and will forever be grateful. And I had one day to find a place to live. Really didn't know the city, but I was this overly confident, definitely overly confident young person. And I just did a little checking around, by the way, no internet, and um, got a nice place in a neighborhood and um, moved to Chicago a month later and found out I was living in the middle of one of the most notorious gangs in Chicago and the country, the Latin Kings, um, who were actually very nice to me, I, I will say, much longer story. But what I learned living in and around them for a couple of years, and it was a very mixed neighborhood, it was mostly middle class, but we were claimed as, as, as a territory. And so, um, yeah, it was interesting. You know, they come together for security with each other. They come together looking for their version of family. They, they come from poverty and, and have very few opportunities. And being in the middle of it, you know, I found my way to some empathy, um, not for the horrible things that they collectively did, but the day-to-day -day kind of understanding who they were as, as people. And it, it was really fascinating. Um, again, I, I, they're awful, you know, in terms of their bigger things that they're trying to accomplish, and you can't, can't forgive that easily. But um, yeah, fascinating idea that community happens in so many different forms, some, some good, some bad, some great, you know, some kind of in the middle somewhere. Yeah, fascinating stuff. Another great example that I always like to share is PFLAG, Parents and Friends of Lesbians and Gays. 
old school name, you know, came about in the early 70s. They were really instrumental in my early days as a gay man because it was a time when it wasn't safe to be gay. And so I was, I saw these folks as, as being kind of surrogate um, people to come out. You know, they were coming out as parents. They were coming out as our friends while we, many of us, remain closeted in our work, in our personal lives, sometimes both, sometimes one or the other. Um, complicated times, but but this amazing group of people was there for us and, and was there to show our humanity and, and to let people know that, that we're here, we're everywhere, and we're deserving of, of the respect um, that every human uh, deserves. All right, so examples of community. So, and then I think it's important when we talk about big ideas to say, well, well what, what is not this idea? What is not community, as, as I'm going to define it for this talk? And big cities, not community. Because remember, you got to share values. And so that, that, to me, that's the key thing that kind of takes cities off the list. They're too big. Neighborhoods. You know, I live in the Wrigleyville neighborhood um, in Chicago. And big neighborhood and all kinds of groups, subgroups that are communal, but community, no, not a community. Big groups of fans, like sports fans, you know, so diverse, all kinds of people. Their interests are shared. They're interested in the team, but not necessarily the rest of it. Um, big, big crowds like parades, gay pride parades, such a great example. And we talk about the LGBTQIA plus community. I don't, I don't like that word because as a member of that, a longtime participant in that, um, we have all kinds of groups within the larger umbrella and we don't always share the same values. You know, we don't always share the same interests. You know, there's a lot going on. It's a really big, big group of people. And certainly when you go to a parade, which for many is party time, it's amazing who comes to the party, uh, including some people who don't like us. <laughs> so giant crowds, not a community. Facebook, online platforms, there, there's almost no quote unquote community platforms left. Um, most of the media has co-opted that name. Some started as community. I remember in the early days of BTC, I would say community. Uh, early days of Harebrained, I would say community, absolutely. But as it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, all kinds of people start to come to the party. Again, interests shared, hairdressing, uh, the business of hair, all those things. But values, very, very diverse, very, very different. What they want to accomplish, the individual people who go there, very different. So I would say not a community, more of an audience. And then on social platforms, you also have like big groups now. Um, Rarely are they communities. Um, and again, they get so big. You know, um, one of my favorites is Feeding America. Um, it's, that happens to be a, a cause that I have a, a lot of concern and, and care for. And um, 635,000 followers, highly, highly unlikely to be a community. Um, an example of a community, my, my local food pantry, the Lakeview Food Pantry um, here, a local neighborhood food pantry that is, is staffed um, by volunteers who care about this issue. You know, in, in terms of values, you know, we believe that people shouldn't be hungry in America, period. Richest country in the world. Nobody should be hungry. Um, and in this vision, you know, for coming together and, and doing good work to, to help reduce the amount of hunger in our neighborhoods and also hopefully uh, share the message and get more to buy into this idea that we, we need to work harder. Now, a great example of how powerful communities are, are, are movements, you know, a bigger idea. And movements, when you look at them, like the anti-war movement, the um, environmental movement, women's movement, civil rights movement, gay rights movement. These movements are often powered by multiple communities, not by individuals. There'll be leadership. Often people bubble up. They're like, oh, that's the person who iconically, you know, represents this idea and this ideal. But usually it's a lot of communities that come together. The anti-war movement was powered originally by the counterculture movement, the hippies, as they were known in, back in my day. But, at, but as things moved on and, and more people became invested in, in 
ending this horrible war, you started to have groups like moms, you know, of, who organized, you know, whose kids were in the service. You had veterans who had left the service who were anti-war. They came together. You had, you had um, workers unions. You had teachers unions. You had, you had all kinds of groups, church uh, organizations. So many, many communities, same in civil rights, foundationally the black church, but then many other types of congregations came to the table. Many other activist groups came to the table and that continues today in, in the Black Lives Matters movement. And climate, same thing. We talked about a lot, a lot of climate. And I was at the Paul Mitchell event because we were in the woods. So it was perfect. But you look at what Greta Thunberg has done, you know, kind of the, the current, you know, kind of face of climate um, in terms of the movement. And, and she's a teenager and, um, you know, brought children, um, literally brought children to the movement all across the globe. So really, really interesting. So again, supercharged communities in a sense, exponentially getting results by coming together. Then I, I wanna talk for a moment about brands and communities. Because think about that, brands have become so powerful over the course of the last 20 years. I mean, they are, some of them are just like amazing what they can get done. And just like there's good and bad communities, there's good and bad brands, I would say, but big picture, great example. Harley is like one of the best. They have so many community, um, ideas that are underneath the umbrella. So I would say Harley itself is a brand. Um, everybody who aggregates around it, they're not communities, but there are sub-communities, those who want to come together to do work around children's causes, veterans' causes, homelessness, recovery, all separate groups, all potentially separate communities. Nike is very similar. And they do a lot of things around uh, children and sports, um, a lot of things with, for people with disabilities, a lot of things around education. And Starbucks is to me, is like the ultimate, it's almost old school because they've got 20,000 stores in America and a lot of those stores, not all of them, but a lot of those stores are very communal. The one closest to me is you've got multiple groups of people who kind of are anchored in the store, but they come together around, um, you know, charities uh, to take care of pets, as an example. Um, um, in my neighborhood, you know, we have a group that comes together around the idea of, of homelessness uh, in the gay population, particularly in teens, you know, so things, all kinds of things. So love that idea. So now, you know, community. So um, kind of quickly, let me go through some thoughts of what we do with that as salons, as professionals, because I, I don't buy into the idea that salons per se are communities. Um, we talk, you know, historically about the black salon and the black shop as being really kind of iconically communal. And, you know, there's so many proof points around that, but it's a, it's a very, very, different different model than what the typical salon in America is like. And, and that idea of community has shifted over time, even in the black salon, even in the, in the black shop. So I'm gonna kind of go with the assumption that pretty much any salon is looking to kind of leverage this idea of community, learning about it, understanding it, sometimes attaching to it, um, and, and also the idea of brands, because we all work with brands and there's power in that too. So I'm just going to share on a quick, couple of quick ideas. So as a salon, you know, consider building a community-focused brand, meaning your organization, how you view your brand um, is something that is community-focused and that potentially can help you build client loyalty and also set you apart from your competition. Now, really important about that, we're saying the word brand. And brand is kind of a a forever concept, like you gotta, however you've established it, whatever you believe it to be, you know, you, um, you gotta walk the talk like every day. Like you can't pick a charity once a year and claim to be a community focused brand. You are a brand that has chosen once a year to give back and that's a great thing. And, and you don't need to be a community focused brand. But if you are, 
then it's kind of got to be all the time. Now, a great example of this, I've seen so many salons in the country do work with their local schools. Ideally, it's kind of an all round, an all year round thing because schools need help all the time. And schools, when you think about it, really are, they do have a lot of community aspect around them, often, again, underneath the umbrella, because not all parents and, and, and supporters of schools share the same values, but often within the groups. So I think, you know, hairdressers supporting schools, hairdressers supporting teachers, hairdressers supporting, you know, the building of local playgrounds, you know, things like that. But th there's a thread that carries you through the year. You know, that is a way to be brand focused around this big idea. And that, another idea is to give back, the one we, we're probably most familiar with. And if you're giving back, and you're transparent about it, some of your clients are going to love that idea. And those same clients might encourage others who love that same idea to support you. So it's a way, you know, to elevate the brand in a sense. Um, it doesn't mean it has to be every day, but that you're identifying hopefully things that matter um, to your team, um, to your clientele, and to your larger community. And that support of community you know, could be a really big thing. I pointed out at Paul Mitchell, you know, that, that Paul Mitchell is like this brand that iconically has forever been very philanthropic. You know, John Paul DeJoria, you know, co-founder and co-owner along with Angus Mitchell. Um, you know, they just have a huge focus on all these um, nonprofits across so many different categories. And if you're working with a brand that does that, you can kind of tap into some of that same ideal and that you kind of get a double win because you kind of get the synergy with the brand, the synergy with those charities and hopefully something that you and your team feel proud about and can't let your clients know about. Uh, I was also with my friend Wayne Clayba down there, and just quickly on that, um, the master of giving back. He's raised $23 million um, as the dean of Paul Mitchell Schools and as part of the Andrew Gomez Foundation that he helped establish many years, but $23 million in the last 20 years is crazy. I don't think anybody's raised more. Um, industry has a lot of charities. I always encourage everybody to look at them. I've had a lot of connection to a couple of these, and that's what could feel better and cut it out program, salons against domestic abuse. Important opportunities to give back, also opportunities to participate. And there's so many more charities, you know, Hair Aid, which is international and, and really has to do with, with working with, with people uh, living in poverty, like extreme, extreme poverty in, in different countries and, and helping them get ahead by teaching them some skills. Um, so many, many things you can do. Um, next one real quick is um, embracing sustainable practices. It's a thing that the world is concerned about and, and younger generations in particular, and, and we all should be. And to use your business as a platform, to use your chair as a platform to support the idea of sustainability is, is a big idea. Something unique to this one, I think, is uh, it's maybe it's extra apparent. It should be unique to all of them. It is intentionality. You know, like, are you intentionally... Um, taking this idea you're putting in front of your clients, hey, we care, you know, um, and actually doing it, you know, and, and doing it intentionally. I've been in places that put all the little bins out, you know, here's where you recycle this. And I remember being in, it was not a salon, but I was in one business where they had it and they had signs up and it was kind of, clearly they were making part of their brand. And I saw an employee put garbage in the wrong place. It was a minor thing. I don't even know, know if they were paying attention, but it made me question whether they were being authentic. And I think that's really important to say. Talked a little bit about my presentation about Green Circle Salon. Google them if you don't know them. That's a great opportunity for any salon that's committed to this big idea to, to participate. Uh, two more quick ideas. Um, next one is that um, really has to do with focusing on inclusivity and diversity. And in doing so, how can that widen your client base and, and be more representative of your broader community? Important work that we think about in, in everything that we do and a great opportunity in our industry. And what I would suggest there when you think about this is there's kind of three constituencies to consider. First is your clientele. I would put even more importantly, 
in this one for my own reasons, your team. Um, because I, I think, and I've said this to many people, um, I'm a gay man and I prefer to go to a hairdresser who is also a gay man. Um, that is just a personal choice. You know, being in a salon is my happy time. I, I like to chill. I like to talk about certain things and I like to support my community, you know? So that's the reason for that thought. And I, I'm at that point in life. That's, that's what I want. So if I, and it doesn't have to be a quote unquote gay salon or a gay owned salon, but that's who I want to go see. So if, if you don't have a gay person in your salon, that's not always practical or possible for anybody. I'm not suggesting that should be the gold standard, but, but you know, know that I'm not going to become a client. So I think, you know, be looking at your team, be looking at your clients and hopefully synergistically connect the dots between those two. And then lastly, don't forget about your vendors. You know, we have choice in who we spend our money with. I would say, look at the companies you do business with, whether it's local, whether it's the minor stuff who brings your coffee to you, um, perhaps to where you buy your brands, where you buy everything that you buy to do your work and look for signs and signals. Are your values about this topic in line with these larger companies? If not, you may want to you know, consider different resources. I'm not saying you have to change everything, but it's a really important idea to consider. Um, actually, two more points. Um, educate and empower clients to position the salon as a place to learn and grow. Again, kind of adjacent to this community idea, you know, um, and you know, trying to leverage that as a business. This one is like the easy one, or should be, but in, in reality, it's probably the hardest. Because consultations, that's all about education. And if you can kind of institutionalize this, really tie it to your brand, we are the team that is completely committed to, to making sure that every client who comes in our door walks out knowing they had a consultation. And you know that consultations take many forms, and there's been research that shows that 90% of clients feel that they rarely get a consultation. And 90% of hairdressers feel that they always give a consultation. So just think about that one for a moment. Huge disconnect, huge. And let's say that 90% of hairdressers are doing consultation, knowing that clients care about them, knowing that clients feel it's an important idea. And we often feel that maybe things didn't go the way we hoped, or, or maybe nothing got changed. Um, and then we kind of dotted line, well, there was no consultation. You may have thought you'd done one. So, so we need to rethink how we explain what a consultation is, perhaps. But I would say from a communal aspect, if you can double down on educating your client, which comes through the consultation, both the initial and the follow on, and, and then just other activities, it, it can be really, really powerful. And then lastly, utilize social media for social change and attract clients who share your values. So this is you and your team saying, well, let's use the megaphone of social um, media to share our values, our issues, the things we care about in the work that we do. Promote yourself, you know, let the world know you're doing good work. And in doing that effectively, you've got to know how to use social, um, others will see what you're up to and go, oh, I want to go to that salon because they believe in what I believe in. I think one of the best examples ever in the, in the entire professional beauty industry of someone who has utilized social media for social change, has attracted clients, has attracted business, you know, has it really has led to him having a better life, but without planning for it. So there was no intentionality from knowing this person. You know, he, he went out to do good work and to do it in a quiet way. And it's paid him back, you know, probably a thousandfold in, in the best way possible. And he's also inspired so many other people. And that's Mark Bustos. You know, and Mark has for a very long time on his own gone out and worked with homeless people, impoverished people, and just giving them that haircut. And one day the press happened to pick up on it some 10, 12 years ago. I, I might be wrong on the years, but it was a while. 
And, um, and that inspires so many other people and a whole lot more came out of that. So that's the last of those points. I want to go back to one of my favorite quotes, you know, Margaret Mead, she said a long time ago, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. There's just so much truth to that, that Mark is one of those citizens. All these little sub-communities in our industry, I, I look at them as, as small groups of people that have done amazing things. And so, but just understand the power you know, of, of smallness in many ways, you know, this last year, I've been saying a lot about small is the new big. And I think this is another example of that, that because when you're a small group, you can kind of harness your passion when groups get really big. And that's why I say if they're too big, they're not really community anymore. So much other stuff comes to the table and our, our vision, our values, they often just get messy. So remember this big definition of communities that share interests, that share values, that share vision. That's like the secret sauce of getting it to the best possible place. Lastly, I would say that, you know, as a group of people, if you're with a team, there's a great exercise to do. And that's just to talk amongst each other, you know, and, and what are the things you care about? And, and you can break it into categories. Let's pretend for a moment we're talking about charity. How are we going to give back this year? What's our plan? Well, what does everybody care about? You know, have them write it on a piece of paper. It doesn't even have to be said out loud. So there's no pressure, but do an inventory of care and then look for the commonalities. Like what are, what are, what are the issues that you, share together ideally and if everybody doesn't share have an open conversation are they able and willing to step up to care because the more we share as a group this ideal the better we'll get things done same with values what are our shared values and what are our shared vision really important audit to do it will help you to do more good work it'll elevate you from a group to something closer to community and i think that is just so so powerful i go back to that opening quote alone we can do so little together. We, I'll change that to you together. You can do so much again. Thanks to Paul Mitchell for making me ponder all this stuff. I love this. This is what I love about getting out and speaking because I, I typically don't do the same thing twice. I, I love the getting in my head and just thinking about this stuff, talking to lots of people throughout the industry to get insights and then putting it together in a talk. I don't know. I think I've gone way over on my time. So I definitely have to wrap up. Um, I want to thank you for, for being over here. Um, if you if you like this again, you know, share it, do all that stuff. Um, go over to socialbeautymakers.com. Sign up for my free e-newsletter. You'll get more content, early access to the podcast. Um, I encourage you to go over and uh, on Sundays and listen where you are right now, but a different podcast, different names. So you have to kind of search for it. And that's the Beautycast Network Mastering Beauty Podcast. That's my new weekly conversation on Sundays with amazing pros. I, I love it. I'm having a blast with it. I encourage you to check it out. Um, sorry if I went long. I do not even have any idea how long I've been talking. I'm excited about community. Sorry, I can't help it. <laughs> so once again, thank you so much for tuning in. I am Gordon Miller. And I cannot wait to share more with you next time.